wait and wait and baby I'm TFC till I die It's a new week, <laughs> new episode, new era for the show. Welcome to the inaugural edition of Toronto Till I Die. Same show, same time, same faces or voices, depending upon how you take in this show. But a new name, so amazing new branding, thanks to the incredible Annie Hart. And you can expect things to only get bigger and better from here. My name is Mitchell Tierney, and this is something of a teaser episode for the show. Call it an episode zero in true Darby <laughs> I <Magazine> was waiting. <laughs> fashion. <laughs> you know I had to get that in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the show, we'll chat, of course, your Toronto FC, defeating the undefeated, Paws, Mavinga, Jimenez, Nelson, and so, so much more. But first, Jeffrey P. Nesker, Michael Singh, my Tuesdays just aren't the same without you guys. And I'm so Agreed, glad to be back. I know. Let's yeah. do this. This is great. I don't know what you're talking about. My last Tuesday was great. There, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, was, I, was, I was on a beach in Mexico. <laughs> hanging out pool bar Truth. sometimes. It was, it was great. I didn't miss you guys one bit. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, pool bars. I mean, what if, what if you spill your drink? Isn't that like kind of peeing in the pool? Like, is that is that frowned upon? I, yeah. I think it's frowned upon. Um, okay. I just, you know, try not to think about it. Let's just hope the mm. chemicals in the pool water just take care <laughs> just of all that, of that vodka. business. Mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. You're right, though. It is different, especially with the times that we're living in now. It's It's like tough not to think about that. But then you just get like four drinks in you and you're just fine. Sign and then you're up. just spilling everywhere. Who cares? All That's why they call it all inclusive. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like I said, guys, same show. The first topic we pick up is pool bars. So <laughs> you know we're going to go on the same tangents, the same random uh, offshoot conversations here. But uh, yeah, let's bring it back to your Toronto FC. Um, actually, first, do you guys want to say anything on the on the new show, the new branding? Because obviously, this is exciting for, for us, uh, you know, going kind of independent in some ways. Obviously, Jeff's still with Waking the Red, Michael's still with the Parlay. We've, we've still got uh, plenty of roots there. But uh, yeah, we wanted to, to kind of do our own thing here. And, and obviously, we're, we're super excited about this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Free and unencumbered. Uh, you know, uh, we're going podcast commando for lack of a better word. And uh, here we go. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I mean, the ambition that I have for this show and I've spoken with Mitch and Jeff about it, is bigger and better. We want to be able in the future to bring you guys some really exciting, exclusive interviews um, with this show. It'll be, it'll be up to, to, you know, bigger bodies than us if, if we can land some of those. But we, w- we want to do this right. We want to bring you guys, continue to bring you guys, I hope, some some positivity, some joy on, on Tuesday afternoons. And hey, now is a, a better time to talk about Toronto FC than it was over the last year, Holy. right? Holy. It's a better time to talk about anything, guys. I don't know about you. I mean, obviously, Mike, you've been outside, but I'm going outside a lot more than I have over the last two and a half years. So this uh, this feels like the spring cleaning that that's occurring in all of our souls, right? You know, maybe one of these days we'll do one of these live in a room, all three of us together and, uh, you know, figure out what what camera we're going to use. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and yeah, yeah. Onward and upward, boys. Uh, I'm just so happy. It's been what at least three weeks, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, just talking to you guys over text. So it's so nice to see your faces again. And uh, yeah, it's 
I mean, we get to talk about Toronto FC, which are which are absolutely you know uh, uh, going against the grain, going against expectations right now. You know, the club that we love is 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 for lack of a better word, and I and I know we've we, you know I'm going to bring up some of the comments on on WTR from some of our favorite uh, uh, posters in the community later, but uh, you know without putting our foot in our mouths, our, our team are kind of killing it right now. Let's be I honest. I think you actually summed it up best when you said spring cleaning. Because that yeah. seems the best way to sort of describe what this team did heading into yeah. what this this first stretch of the season here, which, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it, but but for me, it's been it's been an amazing success. Um, as we talked about in the past but so many times, it's, it's a results-oriented league. I know Will Dunn here in the chat already bringing up the expected goals. Which is, mm-hmm. uh, which is, yeah. of course, a talking we point, a leg- we'll legitimate talking point. Yeah, exactly. Guys, but, uh, guys, was it the same for you? Like one day, XG just just suddenly was in every conversation about soccer ever. Like on a Tuesday, it wasn't, and then on a Wednesday, <laughs> everybody brought it up. It was just like the new, the new hot thing. It was like NFTs. One day they didn't exist, and then the next day, everybody was getting rich off them. So, yeah, yeah. One of these days, you're gonna have to explain. X, XG in a way that I can that I can understand and start peppering into my my smart soccer conversation. Well, today won't be that day. Neither. No, me. no. That oh, I said shit. one day. I did not say today. <laughs> I was about to dive in. I was. Oh, like, do it. Do it. <laughs> well, no. It's it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty mm. self explanatory. Expected goals is XG, and mm. depending on the opportunity that you have, you're given a score out of out of one point zero zero. So let's say a penalty shot. The expected goals ah. on that shot is like zero point. I don't know, zero point eight or something like. I'm pretty sure. Friend, friend of the show, good? Rachel has has offered to step in and explain XG to me, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and that'll be that'll shot. be four and a half hours, but it will be riveting. All four and a half hours will be riveting. Mm-hmm. No, no, that that's important. That's an important note that I didn't know that you're assigned points on a sliding scale based of of, of level of difficulty and that exactly. ma- like i did not know that and that now it makes a whole lot more sense to me right because obviously like a high percentage shot should be rated differently than a low percentage shot you know mm-hmm. like if you're exactly. if you're forced to shoot outside the box then xg as a metric kind of is meaningless unless it's it's got a it's got a, a difficulty like, attached to you it, think so. about that uh jonathan osorio goal uh three weeks ago, four weeks ago against DC United when Luca Petrasso mm-hmm. cut down the wing, put in a cross, and Ozo came in sliding down two feet. The expected goal on that is not very high. I think it was something like 0.08 or something wow. like that. But yet Jonathan Osorio finds a way to put that in the back of the net. So therefore TFC don't get a good expected goal rating, but hey, that's not what matters right now, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Cool. It's and, and, the- and therein lies the challenge, right? Because because it still matters, right? Like we still, we still got Mm -hmm. a goal there. Right. So when people bring up XG as like this, this sort of like, you know, the metric to end all metrics, that's, I have a problem with that because there's, there's yeah, no, there's no metric Mm. to end all metrics other than sweet, sweet, sweet sweet point, baby. (laughs) That's the metric metric that ends like if you win or you lose. Right. And it seems that people are sort of muddying the waters with this, with this XG stuff. And I, listen, I love metrics, you know, the more the merrier, this sounds weird from somebody that doesn't really know his multiplication tables off by heart, but I love, I love the metrics, bring it on. 
just don't try and hammer me over the head with something that is that variable as the metric that ends on metric. Jeff's been here the past couple of weeks being like, why are we multiplying everything by G? I don't understand. (laughs) Guys, guys, I didn't know what MD minus one meant. I had to, I had to Google that. telling you i'm kind of like yeah 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 i had no idea Some i'll be honest algebraic, algebraic i was formula. like yeah michael dadley minus one what's going on here yeah yeah exactly by the way it's match don't a know. Minus one. there you go yeah. 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 yeah yeah but yeah without diving too much into analytics like yeah. on this on the show it's for me like i just use analytics as sort of that that icing on the cake kind of thing where fair i i watch the games i can make my own inferrals with that but i look at analytics as something to either reinforce sort of what i'm seeing or just open my eyes to potentially something new but it's never an end-all be-all as kind of what you're you're alluding to there i i I actually agree with you yeah we have a sneak Uh, peek from rachel again just uh most important is expected goals to actual goals if you have more goals than expected goals you're overperforming if you have less you're underperforming makes sense also those are words (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll get we will get into that a little bit more because i do think it's definitely worth bringing up in in kind of the the counter argument to all the excitement that's been going on lately with toronto fc but it's matched a plus three i think since toronto fc defeated the philadelphia union and the first team this year to to do so so let's chat a little bit about that match i mean obviously (laughs) you can can talk about the expected goals in that match in, in a sense of like Clearly, I think Philadelphia were probably the better team in this match. But again, it's another scrappy performance for Toronto FC. It's another win. And I think they're 3-0-1 at home now, which for me, I think of everything to happen so far this season, that's the that's the most important and the best sign is Toronto FC looks like a decent team at home again. I mean, obviously, the, the Red Bull match aside, um, this, is, <laughs> this is a team that at, at home seems to be finally finding ways to, to claw out the, the big wins they need. And... Look, in MLS, that's all you need to do to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Still in 2022. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm just looking here. Our, our away record is kind of yikes. Um, <laughs> has, has, anybody, has anybody done the comparison with where we are now versus, say, 2017? Because I remember there were a lot of scrappy scrappy dappy wins yeah. at the outset of 2017 right we didn't really feel like world beaters until the summer rolled around and then suddenly we looked at the standings and realized that we were we were doing something great um i think we're realizing nowadays that we're doing something great um well ahead of the curve here right would, would you say that's at least I, fair i think that's a testament to kind of where we are in in our fandom our level of fandom you know there's been a a select group of of diehards who have done this from the get-go, but I feel like collectively the TFC community cares a lot more about each and every game. And they're watching, you know, the standing in each and every game because of how invested they are in the team. I think that's just a testament to that. That's a fair point. You know, waiting until the summer when things get really, really interesting. That's when, you know, everyone starts a scoreboard watch, but I I think that's what, that's just honestly the vibe that I've gotten. I could be completely wrong about that. It's a fair vibe. it's a fair I mean, vibe. The way that soccer is going in this country, I, I just see it hand in hand there. So that's just that's just me. Yeah. No, I would agree with you. I, I mean, especially after last year, right? We're all sort of looking for signs that, you know, we the pendulum has shifted. 
um, you know, looking for signs that that you know that what we've had to endure over the last couple of years is 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 well and truly over. Um, I'm not going to I'm not going to say with with 100 certainty that it is because that would be a fool's statement. But all signs point to yes, guys. I mean this this is this team is fun to watch and they haven't been fun to watch in a very long time. So you know at least at least we've got that going for us. Um, yeah, I mean, damn, <laughs> you're gonna make me talk about that Philly game. And uh, and then I'm just going to start giggling like an idiot because of what Pozuelo did. That was unbelievable. I was cackling for at least two hours, just walking around my house, occasionally stopping and having like a big old laugh because he undressed that team. That was insanity. That was that was a superb bit of of uh, uh, goal scoring there. You know, I know they were all afraid to touch him because they were worried about getting uh, getting a penalty called against him. But he went right through that line. I mean, that was that was nuts. That was really, you know, head down, just just close control. And then the 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 first goal, the the Jimenez goal, was mm-hmm. was. I mean, you know, I know you've got him listed. We're going to talk about him in detail later. So I don't I don't really want to want to want to jump the gun. But this guy, man, holy crap! What a finish! Like this is a proper number nine. You know. This this guy is a proper number nine in like a in like a Robert Lewandowski kind of kind of mold. You know, he's invisible until you're picking the goal out of the back of the net. You know, he just he he's his runs are so smart. He's he's he makes space for himself. Uh, he he play, like, he's got an unholy chemistry with anybody that we put on the field, which is which you know can't be understated. Um, I really really like him, and and I, I think this was a was a really 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 good signing. On Whoa. that him and his goal, one one note I just wanted to make was just to give, and in general, I think, because uh, there was a couple weeks back on the show. I mean, this could be like two months ago at this point, given how <laughs> how long we've, we've taken time off. But um, I did mention Jonathan Osorio as a guy I wanted to to step up. And again, this was after the, the first couple of games of the season where, I, look, it wasn't that he was one of, it wasn't in any way that he was an issue with the team. It wasn't that I, I thought he was playing, you know, poorly in any means but it was that i saw what you know saw glimpses of what he's done the past few games and and thought he could get there and i mean he's been unbelievable the past unbelievable he's been right at midfield show i think that was um, me i think you're maybe. taking credit for my <laughs> well, i'm taking credit for criticizing the story. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no no, no i think I, we were I both think i said it too yeah we yeah. were both saying that i i wanted to see ozorio step up. that was particularly after the first game of the season i mm-hmm. after he scored yeah. that goal uh, yeah i want to see mm-hmm. a better version of jonathan osorio how could you get the best out of osorio mm-hmm. and the way that that bob's done it this year is dropping back into that double pivot with yeah. him and michael the relationship that they have in that positioning is unbelievable i mean when michael uh, most of the time obviously michael likes to stay at home but they have a, a great understanding of where each other is on the field. And it's no longer just Michael as that outlet plus where everyone's just expecting TFC to play yeah. through Michael. Ozo mm-hmm. has stepped into that role. And, you know, after Canada qualified for the World Cup, that first game back at BMO Field, I mean, this guy was playing with some next level swagger. He only went about yeah. 60 minutes against New York City FC, but I saw it from his first touch. He's taking an extra half second on the ball an extra second on the ball um, because he has that level of confidence and yeah, man, that that's, that's, that's continued so far uh, this season. And there's a, a good argument to be made that he could potentially 
could be Toronto's best player um, through these first eight games or seven like games where we are this this season. Now, very interesting that we bring up Ozo here, Mitch, because he's on the verge of making his 300th Toronto FC appearance. Mm. Um, but I put an asterisk beside that because, as we all remember, our guy Ozo, he unfortunately left last match with a little bit of a what looked to be a thigh injury. Um, and you know, that was something he dealt with, I think a couple times last season. So at the very least, it's, a, it has to be a little bit concerning. Um, I will try and get an update on that this week, as early as tomorrow, as we head back into, to training. I know potentially some people are there today as well. So maybe look out for an update on Ozo's status, but he's right now he's in line to make his 300th appearance this weekend in New York city, uh, against mm-hmm. the reigning MLS cup champions. Wow, that's a pretty, in pretty their, cool in spot. Their big, to do huge it. banner. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Love that banner. Um, I, I, did, I was well, worried. Oh, go ahead, Mitch. Go. Well, yeah, no worries. I just wanted to quickly sum that up by saying, and I don't throw this term around lightly, that Oso play was Mo Salah esque. Like the way he was able to manipulate space without moving the ball. Yeah. Like how he mm-hmm. stopped. Like that's what Mo Salah does when he's at his very best. Like there's that goal earlier in the year that Mo Salah scored where the ball doesn't move, but he makes so many feints and step overs on yeah. the ball that puts him on skates. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Oso did that to the same extent. And that's, again, that's why we were criticizing Oso earlier in the year is not because, you know, he wasn't playing well. It was because we know he has this next level in him. And that was a sign of, you know, the peak Jonathan Osorio and how special this guy is to Toronto. It's funny. You should say that too, because Mo Salah is one of Bob Bradley's favorite players to, to watch. <laughs> he is, yeah. yeah. And he sure is, yep. <laughs> he's used him as an example a number of times of, of showing. I I wrote about this and the fact that Bob's always Let, Let's not forget video. he coached Mo Salah. <laughs> Bob there you Bradley. Go. Yeah. 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 There you go. I did forget that, but that does, mm-hmm. of course, with Egypt. Um, yeah. But yeah, he is one of his favorite players to show video of. I mean, he mentioned as well Trent Alexander-Arnold, so... You know, he's he's a big Liverpool fan, but the sense that I've gotten from Bob is that he's just a big world football fan in, in general. I mean, people on TFC have told me this guy's always watching video and not mm-hmm. only just watching, he's using stars, European stars as sort of benchmarks as to show some of his players, some of the tendencies that you can do. You mentioned that with Trent Alexander-Arnold with with Jaquil and, and Kosi and, and those guys and the qualities that Trent Alexander-Arnold had are are similar to the qualities that these guys have as they're converting from from wingers to now wing backs. So, I mean, everything that I've heard about Bob, just to transition a little bit into talking about Bob here is mm-hmm. I, I can't I the job that he's done, I, I can't even wrap my head around because I know me neither. There's so many things that go into this, but in just a couple months' time, this guy has reset the culture here at Toronto FC and you know I've, I've been lucky to go into going to training uh almost on a, lucky on a to have you go into training which is fantastic. fantastic and you get a sense of it you get a sense of of how in in line the group is how how much unison there is against I guess among this this certain Toronto FC group and it's it's definitely rubbing off onto the onto the pitch where you can see that there's now a lot more unity on the pitch. There's not as much frustration and it just looks like everyone's happy and bought into kind of being with this version of Toronto FC, which is really fun. And we're in fifth place. I mean, you know, tied for third, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, wow. Are we tied for third now? 
Oh yeah, we are. I'm looking at the points total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, our goal differential is a bit. It's not terrible, but uh, but you know, um, this is great. Like we're not we're not setting the world on fire. He's reset the culture. Um, so you know, the old adage of well, well, we're winning right now. That's why everybody's happy. You can't really apply that unilaterally to the vibe at at the training ground and and inside the squad, which is an incredible positive, right? It it means that, you know, this isn't just by consequence of, of a, of a perf of a good record or, or good press. This is, this is endemic. This is something structurally going on. And, and it's, it's wonderful. I mean, uh, we had the tunnel club post game show after, after the Philadelphia game and, and, and Mike and Sean were joined by, uh, by Eric Giancometti. And of course, (laughs) <laughs> he didn't assign a letter grade, but I did ask. Uh, I did ask the group to assign Bob a letter grade, and and I think the lowest was a B plus. Uh, to you know, I, I think Mike uh, Mike Newell gave him an A, and Sean gave him a B plus. I tweeted out that I give him an A plus because oh my god, I mean just just to tie it back to the Oso, I was worried about Oso. You know, if you go back to the to the uh, the first media day, you know where we were like trying to divine why certain players went up to the podium over other players, you know, the last meeting. And, and, yeah. 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 And Richie goes up and, and, and we're like, Oh, he's gone. <laughs> he's gone <laughs> for sure. And then, and then Ozo came up after that. And I think to a man in our, in our private chats, we were like, that means Ozo has gone. Right. And you could see the disconnect between his successes with the Canadian men's national team and his failures with Toronto FC. We're really grading on him as a person. Um, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm, no, you're I'm, right. I'm, I'm taking a step that. here, but, but you know, you don't see that anymore, or at least you don't see it to the same degree. And, and, to and, 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 and it hasn't been that long. Let's be honest, guys. It feels forever because, you know, we're all, we're still sort of in this quasi pando limbo, but it really hasn't been that long. And, and, and that's a microcosm of, I think what's going on in that, in that locker room. And, and wow. I mean, wow. Mm-hmm. No, you're bang on. Your environment, to a sense, is what sort of motivates you. Um, and the environment that Toronto FC were go heading in, it wasn't a an environment that challenged you. It wasn't an environment where you go in and you are keen on learning a bunch of different things. Um, now you head into that environment and you know that you're going to be pushed you know that you're going to be motivated you know that you can't slack off there is actually i mean with the buzzword there's actually accountability now within toronto fc and it's not just bob although bob i think is setting that but it's it's the other members of the coaching staff it's the leaders now that are on the team we asked michael bradley about um the mood of the team after their win or their draw i guess i think it was real salt lake and the first thing that michael points to are Jesus Jimenez and Carlos Salcedo. Those are two guys who make training more enjoyable, but they're also two guys who you can tell want to be better. They want to be there mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's, he's saying that without precedent. And I think that precedent, of course, was Jeff's favorite player last season. And <laughs> as well, a couple, a couple of other guys, it's just day and night, mm-hmm. the community there. So in a sense that what they went through last year, could actually bode well for this year because they have a greater appreciation of going into work every day and and getting better and i think again we're seeing that translate onto the pitch yep. yeah in the t- same way that, that the 2016 team knew what the the the, the 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 you know 
hated losing that MLS Cup and, mm. and turned it into a into a mantra in 2017. You know, I think that that this team knows, um, you know, they have that chip on their shoulder, right? Not in the same way, uh, certainly not in the same way, but but definitely there are, there are there are similarities. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you again, Mitch. No, all good. I know this has turned into the the Oso show a little bit, but I do think it, mm. it's a great point in terms of. You know, everything I'd heard over the off season was that Oso was basically one foot out the door. Like he was, he, like he, I mean, he ma- he made that clear in the in the press conference, but it seemed like he was ready to leave this club. And the fact that Bob Bradley was able to sell him on, no, I think you should stay, and like we can still build something here. Not only that, but he's also we've again we've seen the best of Osorio, and it's not just performance wise. It's also one thing I. I keyed on a lot over the past little bit in terms of Canada versus Toronto FC Osorio was the leadership quality and how mm-hmm. in Canada you saw him barking at his teammates and and holding everyone accountable. I think we need like a bell to ding every time he use that <laughs> word. Um, but, uh, but you you saw it like Michael Bradley got a yellow card for, for yelling at the referee at, at some point during I think it was the RSL match. I think um, it was too, yeah. And then it was, it was a story recent match now. Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was the most recent match. But Phil then it was Asorio with Martinez. Right. Yeah. Asorio was that next guy who was up there talking to the referee, you know, and, and we've seen him just be that bit more vocal on the field throughout matches. Like he's definitely the, the captain incumbent now, and he didn't always mm-hmm. look like that last season for Toronto FC. 100%. So I do 100%. think that's a that's a very, very good indication of, of the culture shift that's happening. Um, within Toronto FC right now. Now, and, oh, sorry. No, I'll get, yeah. I was going to say, just quickly wrap that up is I, I wrote the article. I mean, this guy's on the verge of 300 appearances. He's he's one of our own, came through mm-hmm. our own backyard, is the only player in MLS right now to do this. Only Canadian players come up with a Canadian club and still be with that Canadian club after this duration of time. Mm-hmm. Come on, guys. Like, we got we to gotta get this going. And when he is... Is when he hangs up the boots, mm-hmm. we gotta we gotta fight for Ozo to, to build that for TFC to build that statue of Ozo. Because... I'll build it. I'll 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 go every weekend. I'll build it. I'll make it out of Lego, man. It won't be it won't be that good. It won't be the best likeness, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there with bells on. Um, listen, Axis of Evil uh, brought us into a segue that I actually wanted to take us into, mm-hmm. and it is: Has anyone else been disappointed in Salcedo's impact as a DP this year? I know it's still early, and we need to be impatient. But I expected more. I'm going to remove the DP tag from that no. question because it's, you know, would we have invested in him as a DP if we weren't trying to offload the guy who whose name sounds very similar? Maybe not. Um, but as a defender, as a starting center back, how many red cards has he gotten in seven, eight games? That's untenable. One. No, isn't it two now? I thought it's well, more one and a half. One revoked. Yeah. Oh, okay. No. Okay. I mean, still, he got it on the day. So, that that that's not good. That ain't good. Any any way you slice it, you know. I don't need to bring in XG to 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 convince you guys. So what do you think? What what do you think's going on with with them? Uh, I I'm on the complete other side of this. I think this guy is good, amazing. It's, Let's go. It's amazing defender. I think you can tell the quality that he has every time he touches the ball. Um, he's a leader at the back. His ball distribution is is incredible. Obscene. Yeah, I've seen, um, yeah, and I, I go back to that leader point because that's such a a desire that this team needed 
over the past couple of years. I mean, Omar Gonzalez simply was. Think about this guy, how much better this guy is than, than Omar Gonzalez. He is <laughs> head over heels better than me. I'll, I'll even go as far as saying I think he's the best defender that ever played for Toronto FC. I think wow. he'll go down as that when, when all is said and done. Um, has he had a bit of a rough go at times? Sure. But at the same time, you look at the other 80 minutes, 85 minutes on the pitch, and this guy is is absolute class. Um, and then that's not without saying, bring like mentioning what he does every day at training and what he does in terms of his the camaraderie within the group. Every time I speak, uh, whether it's Ozo, Michael, other players on the team, every time I speak to them about Salcedo, they have nothing but positive, positive things to say. And the way that he treats people, the way that he treats the backroom staff, everything uh, um, I've heard about Salcedo is just extremely positive. And I, I think, sure, you can, you'd like to clean up certain things about his game, but at the same time, there's no defender out there that's absolutely perfect. I mean, this is the sort of the style that this guy plays. He's very, um, he's not like Chris Mavinga. Where you know mm-hmm. you you do have the, a lot of those lapses, but you do have those lapses sometimes from Salcedo. Is but... it is it coming from Liga MX where or where you know it's 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 more encouraged to kind of mix it up after a questionable play, and he just needs to get that out of his system, or is that just me uh, uh, limiting another league to a binary statement, and I should probably never say well, it again? Just to be clear, like we're talking about the last game he played against RSL, which was his former team. Um, mm-hmm there was definitely some emotion in him in that game. He was booed every time he touched the ball. Um, oh. So maybe that, that played a factor into sort of some of his um, lapses there, but we're really zeroing in on, on two moments here. We're zeroing in on the red card against RSL, which was about in the 85th minute when him and Shane O'Neill got mixed up, miscommunicated. And then of course he turns around tries to kick the ball, kicks the player's face and gets a red card. That mm. for me, you know, it's a situation that never should have happened. But that being said, I mean, it worked out for Toronto FC. I tweeted it at the time. I don't think that's the worst red card you can take in a game. The defender sure. or the sure. pack is probably in on goal if you don't make that challenge. So I, I, I don't mind that too much. The second one was against uh, Patrick Kamala. And those guys were kind of jostling all game. TFC were already down, I think, 3-1 or 4-1 at that point in the match and he goes in and he, he makes a really strong challenge on Klamala. And I think that's just because of what happened throughout the game. Now at the time, all of us here were saying that we didn't think that was a red card, if I recall correctly. And mm-hmm. it was, a, it was warranted a suspension. I think a lot of TFC fans were saying <sighs> that it didn't warrant a suspension. That was actually the talk of the town, at least from what I was gathering. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't put too much stock into people getting too upset about Salcedo's play. I think that's very reactionary. I think it's very knee jerk, and mm-hmm. I, I do think he'll he'll uh, he'll be. Listen, fine. Ryan. Ryan brings up an, an interesting point, and it's Salcedo's presence, experience, and leadership has absolutely had an impact on O'Neill and McNaughton's ability to settle and thrive so far. There's still kinks to work out, but the impact is visible. I agree with that, but and at the, the same time, too. yeah. But at the same yeah. time, if we're trying to settle on who our CBs are. If we're doing a back four or a back three, they need consistent reps. And this guy consistently getting suspended 
for you know two games, three games is kind of putting a spanner in the works. At least, at least in my calculus, right? Like I'm, I'm all for all of this impact on the field, impact on the bench, impact in the locker room, et cetera, et cetera. But if you can't play, you're it's a detriment to to Bob Bradley while he's trying to set up his team, right? And see who works well with everybody else. You know, Mavinga's been 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 marooned on an island of his own Mavinganess for a while. He just came back into the squad, yeah. right? And it and they amazing, can't play together. Way. He was amazing. He was he was lights out. I mean, this is another testament to to Bob's brutalness, right? Um, you know, if you don't play well, you're not going to start, and you may not even get named to the bench, and you have to work your way back into the team. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, we're seeing that pay dividends, but I can't ignore the fact that you know our 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 one of our starting center one of our starting center backs seems to go into the sin bin as often as some people, you know, uh, change socks. So I, I do, I do think it's an issue, um, you know, and, and hopefully it's, it's nothing, it's a nothing burger and, and he gets it out of his system. I mean, Rachel Here. says it right here. She says, he's a gem off the pitch. He reminds me of Boateng in at Bayern. He's fantastic. 98% of the time, but he is prone to the boneheaded red card. Is um, there a part of I, you that, that likes that no nonsense type of defending though? Absolutely. For me, I don't, I don't mind it too much as long as it doesn't become an everyday type of pattern. Um, obviously, you know, a red card in seven games, eight games, another incident, I, that's concerning. But at the same time, yeah. like, I don't think we're, we should be writing or anyone off or, you know, kind of being oh, too oh, overly concerned about this in such a short sample size. Go ahead, Mitch. I'm mostly just shocked that Jeff only changes his socks once a month, but beyond that, <laughs> I was looking that, for something. I, I, fair, fair I was like, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, I had to come up with this. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I failed that joke. It didn't land guys. It's fine. I'll be better next time. I swear. Um, but yeah, with that being said, I do think the, the fullback thing is, is a good thing worth mentioning as well as the fact that, you know, there's no one who's played fullback this season other than like Caden Chung has actually played it before and they're all like under 23 so there there's a the back line in general like the players around Salcedo um have a lot of learning to do still and you know I, I don't think they found the perfect center back partner for him yet or double partner if, if that's what they're going for and I don't think that's necessarily been his fault like I do think it's been more on Mavinga the the issues with the Mavinga Salcedo partnership so far and I don't hmm. think but I don't think that's necessarily done with. I think there's there's plenty of um, you know time to to work through that and and uh, again let's let's kind of transition here into some of the questions that oh yeah go ahead we Jeff. got we got one that I want I kind of want Mike to answer. Mm-hmm. Damien says that's why Crescido is coming in for the CB spot. Mm-hmm. Mike, I mean, is he even a going concern now? The the man made a decision that uh, he's going to play out the rest of the season uh, in Syria. Is he off the radar for TFC or is it, is, you know, without, without, you know, burning a source or whatever the case may be, I'm just curious as to whether <laughs> they've changed tactics and just said, okay, fine. You want to stay in, in Genoa? Good. See you later. We'll find someone else. Um, like I've, I've mentioned a couple of shows ago, everything that I heard, I mean, I was surprised when they mentioned that Krishita was going to be coming earlier. I knew that in Genoa, there were some issues actually with him and the club. Um, because he's going to be running out of contract and because he's going through his, he had a little bit of a rough injury with some calf injury. He had COVID as well. He was all, he was sidelined for a while. Um, mm-hmm. 
But then if you watch, you know, that team is is plummeting and he actually featured for them uh, over the weekend. So I, I, everything that I heard originally was that he was going to be coming in the summer because he wanted to help Genoa above the relegation stage and stay up in, in Syria. Unfortunately, that doesn't look like it is going yeah, to happen. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's happening, yeah. yeah. But just to, to sort of summarize and answer your question, everything that I've heard, uh, he's still definitely on the radar for, for Toronto okay. FC, and we'll see how that uh, that plays out. I think you actually okay. like that from, from a player, right? Like, I think you want a player who shows a bit of that loyalty, who wants to, you know, obviously he's coming to Toronto FC or could be coming to Toronto FC this summer, but that willingness to stick around and, and make sure he leaves things in a, in a decent step with his old club before taking on a new project. Like, I do think that shows um, a bit of what you want from a player in, in terms of... I, I would counter I would counter that we're now getting a guy who tried to do that and didn't coming with a big gray cloud over his head. You know? we'll, we'll see. I mean, yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that is a, that's always a point. There's always a glass half full, yeah, glass half empty argument. I always walk on the shady side of the yeah, street, Mitch. I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to Debbie Downer, everyone. Yeah. We don't want Crescito anymore. He's going to be a thousand years old next year. And yeah, forget well, that guy. Yeah. Let, let's, let's venture down the shady side of the street now, because we've mm. been kind of dancing around it the entire show as much as we've been very positive about what Toronto has done through the start of the season. If you, open up the hood a little bit and look at you know some of the <laughs> some of the metrics that that we've discussed there's there's definitely some cause for concern with Toronto FC now obviously the biggest one is a pretty solid set in stone number which is the goals against of 12 so far this season which is a lot um and if you want to look at their expected goals against that's pretty close in line with that so um I, I think it's 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 pretty fair to say the defending needs needs definitely some work from from Toronto FC now the biggest the, the biggest gap that everyone is talking about is their expected goals so far, which I think is around six, and they've scored eleven. So there's there's a big difference between that. Um, as Rachel explained earlier, that's something that you definitely want to look for in terms of kind of regression mm-hmm. to the mean. Is when there's a massive difference between what a team's expected to score and what they score, usually that ends up evening out at some point over the course of a season. So. Um, we got Insigne coming. It's going yeah. clam, yeah. clam, clam. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, there's there's some schools of thought of this, which you know Mike explained earlier. Toronto FC has some really good players, and Jesus Jimenez is a guy who's shown he can score goals from areas where the average player maybe wouldn't be expected to score. So that definitely adds to it. But you know, I I do think there is some cause to concern in terms of Toronto FC playing a little bit unsustainably here. They're uh, negative 0.91 expected goal difference per 90 is is second worst in in the league behind only San Jose who's 0.3 and 4 to start this Ouch. season. Um, and if you look at the other teams in comparison to Toronto FC in in that statistic, you know, they all don't have shining records either. So there is cause for concern here and obviously, you know, they need to there are definitely things they need to work on. But with that being said, there without question ahead of schedule still like the points are in the bank we know Insigne is coming like if if they can stay at this point and then like slowly figure stuff out like you want to you know you obviously rather want to be at a place where you're playing unsustainably well and and picking up Mm -hmm. those points and then you can figure things out from there versus you know playing below that line and trying to work your way up I think they're in a much better position as a result of that but it is worth mentioning that 
look, there's there's there is some cause for concern here in terms of the ways the teams are playing, particularly offensively. Well, let's let Rachel have another statement, and that is, I would expect Insigne Jimenez Jimenez to consistently score above expected. Stars usually do. Everyone else is likely to regress perhaps significantly. So my question to you guys, and I guess Rachel as well, is is will 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 there be equality? Like will somebody else pick up the slack or will the team regress to the mean? I mean, I've got here on, on one of the comments from WTR's boards is, you know, uh, Jesus has the best goals to shot ratio of any player in the league right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it it is that sustainable? Because if it is, we're going to be riding this wave of of overperforming based on these sort of hard metrics, I think, right off into the sunset, potentially MLS Cup. Um, so, you know, the, stat, wow. the stats nerds are going to be crying all, all, all season long, but maybe we're going to be celebrating at a, at a parade to get a, by, a, you know, following a double-decker bus again, right? I, I revert back to the eye test for this. I mean, Jesus Jimenez, he doesn't, he doesn't shoot very much because he only takes chances he believes he can score. That's what, what I've seen from him. He's a guy who has yeah. shown he's very capable of linking up with his teammates and sometimes is a bit too unselfish. Um, but he's also very smart at picking his moments. Yep. And we've seen that obviously translate into some of his finishes. I don't think any one of his finishes have been otherworldly. Like the one on the weekend is probably his nicest when he opened up his body before Oso actually passed in the ball and was ready yeah. to put that far corner, which I thought was was very elegant, very clinical. But I think that's not otherworldly. I think it's just something mm-hmm. that a, a proper number nine especially one of Hill's skill set should be able to do. So yeah, day in, day out. And, absolutely. And Insigne scores yeah. like 10 of those a season. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and, and from the penalty spot as well. So mm-hmm. I, I, the one that's worrying for me, it's not really their expected goals um, because I think there's a lot more that's going to come from the team offensively. Like if you're scratching kind of the surface here, the one that, that worries me is their expected goals against. Mm. And, while I do believe they are going to improve defensively this season, you, you think back to that Philadelphia game, Philly had a chance to put that match away within the first 10 minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. They missed an open header, uh, wide open, like six-yard box. I think nine out of 10 times that's in the back of the net. Um, mm-hmm. I forget who it was, but he put it over the crossbar. And then they had another opportunity where I think it was Kosi or maybe... Um, Maybe it was Shane O'Neill who who got beat on the outside there. Maybe it was Caden mm-hmm. as well. Uh, they crossed it, drove it across the six yard box. If their striker was half awake, he would have put that in the back of the net. He would have tapped that home. <laughs> so two two chances T- just right off the bat. In the first 10, 15 minutes are like contributing to my blood pressure. It's, it's, you know, but they it, have it, it a is lot a thing. better at it though. Mm. I don't know if I'm just basing yeah. that off results or mm. they have been a lot better at not giving not- up too many clear-cut chances in the first five, ten minutes. Um, Yeah, again. We get the disallowed goal, too, that uh, obviously Mm -hmm. got sent off for offside, but still was concerning defensively, allowing a shot like that from from the top of the box to get through. Absolutely. There's there's that. There's the... You know, a couple chances there I think Philly had throughout that match that... I mean, I I can't remember any clear-cut chances Toronto FC missed, unless I'm, I'm forgetting any against that Philly team. But... That, that's the way the game was expected to go, uh, at least in the yep. sense that TFC weren't expected to outchance Philadelphia. And 
you know, credit to the quality that they have up top that they've been able to take their chances. And I do believe they are going to improve in front of goal. Um, I also believe they're going to improve defensively. So mm-hmm. I think we'll see kind of how this plays out, but what they've, they've done so far is that they've definitely overachieved. Another player who who I think is starting to maybe scratch the surface of his offensive potential this year again, and, and a player who's incredible last year as well as Jacob Schaffelberg, who I thought the past couple matches has been really, really good. He's starting to <laughs> really get down that flank, and and I mean that pace is is a problem for for teams. It continues to be, and now he's learning how to use it a lot better and a lot yeah. um, more conservatively nope. defensively, but then. <laughs> Then taking advantage offensively, Jeff. What are you snickering about? Well, it's just I remember what you said that nobody wants that that left winger spot because they're just basically a bench a, a placeholder <laughs> for for Insigne when they come. Yeah. So you got Petrasso and Schaffelberg just basically trying to be wingbacks over <laughs> and above each other because absolutely nobody wants that starting spot because mm-hmm. their their numbers up in in like two months. Yeah, that, that is fair. Yeah, um, I do think actually in terms of the. I think Petrasso might have had the better season so far, but I think in terms of the wing back position, I think Schaffelberg's shown a better kind of ability and suit to play that role so far this year. And I think I think we've seen strides from him already, which is which is good because he was probably the one that I was most concerned about in terms of learning that role, just because I think he yeah has a lot of the winger attributes more than the defensive attributes to his game. Isn't that yep, wild? Damon asked that, a, oh sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, isn't that wild that Petrasso came in as like the natural left back and Jacob <laughs> Schaffelberg that's kind of won over that, yeah. that spot and Petrasso's pushed up up top? Uh yeah, I, I I get the sense that TFC haven't loved Petrasso at, at fullback or wing back when he has played it. Um mm-hmm. I think they like him higher up the pitch with some of his qualities, but man, Petrasso is him and Shaft both are just a, such a breath of fresh air down that left side because they bring so much energy, so much youthfulness, and they just they don't stop working, which is something yeah. that I think this team desperately needed, especially last season when when things were kind of going tough. Which is why Shaft I think was probably the brightest spot last season because of his his, his legs. work rate is insane. His mm-hmm. work rate yeah. is insane, exactly. So yeah, go ahead. He's always smiling. He's always smiling. Anyway, this this ties into what Damien is asking, which is, are you guys okay with our fullbacks and our midfield subs all being academy products? Do we feel TFC should be looking to acquire reinforcements in these areas? I'm very okay with it presently. I mean, these are these are meaningful minutes and the kids are all right. I mean, they're doing they're doing great and we're finding out stuff about them that we mm-hmm. wouldn't if they're if they were blocked by a Subasa Endo or a Nick Delion. Uh, as they have been, you know, over the last couple of seasons, there's nobody standing in their way, you know, other than than the than the specter hanging over that left wing spot. <laughs> <laughs> but but like, uh, no, I'm okay with it. I'm I'm okay with it. You know, we're we are in in all respects uh, playing with house money right now. Nobody nobody expected us to be tied for third. Um, you know, with 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 this overachieving stuff, nobody expected uh, uh, Jesus uh, Jesus Jimenez to 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 come in just screaming, screaming confidence whoa. and screaming chemistry. Whoa, right? whoa, whoa! I did. Come on. Did you expect him to be this good? I did. Okay, wow. I did. That's amazing. I placed the bet. I placed the bet mm. on him. Uh, golden boot. Ooh, I mean, I you're only a, you're wow. only a goal wow. off at this point. I have yeah, a yeah. For it as well. Um, no, that's just, I, I tweeted it out after his first appearance. I said, this guy's going to go down and be one of the signings of the season. When I went on mm-hmm. MLS extra time, I, I think I talked about it as well. I, I think this guy, they, 
under the radar and just play it I play it I when, it, when I he gets on this the show multiple boot. times too i mean i think it's his he just oozes quality and uh, when i saw him in preseason link up with with pause and his teammates i i knew this guy was was going to be different and just different just watching his highlight videos i mean i i felt like he was such a good value signing and and something i can't watch needed. highlight videos too much dubstep i just can't <laughs> right. my brain um, right. Rachel is is piping in again. It's good that the Academy is finally producing, in my opinion, and we haven't even seen Ralph. She's right. She's right. I have no issue with this. This is what we wanted. Um, you know, we we will see. We've got time to figure this out. Um, Aaron is asking, what if Io steals his job? That's an interesting question. If I'm Io Akinola right now, I'm quaking in my boots because I don't see a way in to starting number nine as long as uh, Jesus is leading the way. Both of them have and can play winger, though. So that's worth mentioning as well. Can um, they, though? I think so. I, th- I think Io Akinola has played some of his best game. Not not in MLS, necessarily, but coming up. I think Achara is a winger more than, he's, the, more than he's in a <laughs> central that, player. That I definitely agree with. We'll see. I mean, uh, it, it is possible, and, and there's plenty of... Put him on left wing. There's no competition there. (laughs) One thing I will say about Bradley in in general and and the way he's approached these young players is like he has tried a lot of different things and and seen what works and seen what doesn't. I mean, he's he's tried out Noble for a couple of games. Ralph's gotten in for for a few. Uh, He's tried different looks. He even tried, you know, he's tried Kosi in a couple different positions and that seems to be working fairly well recently. So he's willing to to be flexible with his with his young players and you know, give kind of rotating them all in and giving them a chance. And if something sticks and, and is starting to work, then go ahead. You've got your you've got your spot for a bit. And uh, uh, you know, certainly with Petrasso, um, is we've seen that. So I think that's a uh, that's been kind of a, a promising. You know, we've we've never seen that from a TFC manager before. He's willing to give these guys a bit of leeway to to make mm-hmm. some mistakes before uh, just yanking the you know yanking their spot. Yeah, and never to be seen again. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Axis is asking if we've got any updates on Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy. Um, yeah, I actually, (laughs) I I just did. Um, not too long ago, actually. Um, you were holding it from us. I've been always. You guys don't know what I'm I'm tapping into here. (laughs) So yeah. if you guys have been watching him on Instagram as well, you, you've probably seen glimpses of this, but Jaquil's watching or walking, sorry. Um, oh, nice. Which is obviously a great sign, especially after having surgery about two weeks ago. Um, the team set out an initial timeline of eight to 10 weeks, and I'd say he's probably on track for that. I'd say he's probably about seven, eight weeks away. So hopefully we're looking at something like beginning, beginning of June. Um, but I'm again, like with this guy at his age, you're going to play it. Extra, 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 extra safe. Uh, they're not going to mm-hmm. rush him into anything, you know, no matter how eager he is. I mean, his future is too bright to kind of risk anything like that. Um, Love it. So, Damien, just just circling back to your question here, the way that I would kind of answer that and phrase that is, don't be too stressed about about TFC um, TFC's roster right now and their roster makeup. I think it's great that they are playing their kids right now. Um, but the way that I would describe it is this version of Toronto FC, they're in stage one of a four stage process. Mm-hmm. This version mm-hmm. of TFC is, is just scratching episode the zero. surface. Exactly. It's episode zero of what <laughs> we are going to, to see from this team um, come the summer 
come next season. I think it was James Grossi. I think we always kind of go back to this. When a new coach comes in, it takes about about two years for you to actually see what that coach's vision is for a team. Uh, Bob Bradley's kind of expedited that process in some ways um, with, with some of his, his brutal moves this offseason in terms of turning over the roster. But don't be too stressed about this Toronto FC team and the roster makeup right now because this team's going to look a lot different come the summertime. And even from a year from now, you might not even recognize a lot of this team. So wow. uh, just just stay patient with them, but enjoy kind of what's going on right now because what, as Jeff alluded to, as, as you guys have all touched on, what's happening right now is, is something that hasn't happened before within Toronto FC. And it's the young kids given a chance and not only given a chance, they're given a chance to succeed. They're being yep. put in positions right now where Very you have guys like Carlos beside them. You have guys like Alejandro in the midfield, Jonathan Osorio, Jesus Jimenez, guys who are all there to help these young kids. Um, we see very often Paz is, is one of the first players the young guys kind of try to pass the ball to. And that's such a, a helpful asset to have on the team because you're these all these young guys, they're learning on the fly. They're, they're mm-hmm. learning how to survive right now in MLS and – they're being put with players who can help them do that. And over the last couple of years, you know, that just hasn't been the case. So enjoy kind of what's going on right now, but it won't be, won't be the case uh, for, for very much longer, I believe. Yeah. It's smart business. It's, it's an evaluation standpoint. You know, you, you start this season, you have, instead of going out and, you know, being reactive and, and making all of these big signings in the shortened window you had, with Bob Bradley coming in over the winter, you know, you go in now, you see, okay, Jaden Nelson, what do we have in this guy? Do yep. we really need another right wing option there? Or can Jaden fill that role? You know, same thing with the fullback positions. Do we need to bring in uh, an experienced left back? Or is that something Schaffelberg can do? Like yep. this, yep. these are all things that we're finding out and we're going to find out over the course of the next little bit. And then that allows them to go out and be like, okay, maybe maybe these guys aren't turning out how we were hoping. This is where we can fill in a need. And it's, it's a really smart way to build your roster with where Toronto FC is at right now. And we're already finding out, like we've been saying so many times, finding out gems like Patrasso, finding out guys mm-hmm. like Kosi Thompson, getting some good opportunities and, and showing what um, they can that never would have happened before. So this is what you open yourself up to. And like Michael said, the standard hasn't dropped. This club still holds itself to that big club standard and they're going to go out. They're going to spend that money. They're going to make sure this is a club that's going to compete with the top of MLS. But one of the best ways to do that is, is still, you know, seeing what you have in these young players and and that's found money essentially, because they really don't cost you anything against the cap. And then you can spend even more on, uh, some super cool luxury player who can come in and do a billion step overs and play here. Uh, <laughs> Please don't <laughs> have have nice uh, bright hair and uh... mm-hmm. oh gosh, gosh, <laughs> Jeff's getting knives. No, uh, yeah, yeah. As in, me I think I think Jefferson Sotelo would do good on this team, guys. I'm gonna say it. No, yeah, yeah. What would Jefferson Sotelo do on this version of Toronto FC? <laughs> Jeff, it. let's let's get Stop it. no, no, no. I don't even want to. I'm not even doing that thought exercise. Um, <laughs> Do we, I think we want actually turn Jeff's face red? <laughs> <laughs> you did. I'm mad. Uh, uh, yeah, Armando Cooper. Um, are we gonna let 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 let's let's wrap it up, boys? Let's okay. uh, let's talk about NYCFC uh, over the weekend uh, or at the weekend. 
Um, going to City Field, so we don't get to our turbo pitch, although it is uh, a, a size approximation of our lovely little turbo pitch at Yankee Stadium. I'm sure the banner will travel because it's pocket size. It's fun size, so anyone can take it with them. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they got the clocks cleaned by Seattle uh, in CONCACAF. Mm-hmm. You know they're not they're not really doing that that well. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, this hey, did you watch see what happened weekend? on the weekend? <laughs> what did they do? They like dummied he, RSL they, six they nothing. Killed RSL. Oh yeah, I did remember that, but it's yeah. RSL. Four goals by Tati. RSL, yeah, that RSL was... second in the Western Conference. All right, fine. I don't know anything. Just tell me what <laughs> this weekend's all about. <laughs> no, but hey, if if this if if this weekend didn't happen for New York City, I'm right on the same boat with you. Is mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I wrote an article for this on on MLS. Is that right? Is there any cause for concern within New York City right now, based on the way that they started the the MLS regular season? Because as we've seen, I mean, we we've, we've all witnessed. We, we it. lived it. We, we lived, lived it. it. We know what can mm-hmm. happen when you get that MLS Cup hangover, when you have Champions League, a Champions League run to worry about. We know what can happen within the league. But they came out, they made a statement last weekend, and I believe they'll be hungry this weekend to make a statement against a Toronto FC team that got the better of them not too long ago. But that being said, mm-hmm. we're heading to TFC's favorite place in the world. <laughs> Jeff's favorite place in the world. New York. <laughs> No, the I mean turbo pitch. it's not. It's not the turbo pitch. It's City Field. They're playing at the Met. Oh, stadium, is it? Yankee uh, stadium. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's not really a game changer because Sean no. Johnson will still be in that, and and Paws loves haunting his nightmares. So, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm never worried. It's been how many years now that I've not been worried about New York City Football Club since Seba. You know, the Seba TFC put them on that seven-one aggregate. There's just mm-hmm. something about that score. I don't fear these guys, um, and that may that might be to my to my uh, to my detriment. But I don't, I've not, I've, I don't fear NYCFC. Every club, like obviously, they go through iterations and, and style changes. But every club has kind of that boogeyman team that just for whatever reason, they just like no matter how bad or how good they are, they just play them off the park. And you know, we've mm-hmm. seen Toronto FC do that to Columbus. Uh, a lot throughout the past couple of seasons where for whatever reason the way Columbus <laughs> crew play CFD mm-hmm. just usually um causes them a lot of issues so every club has that thing i think Toronto FC is that in in a big way for New York City FC and you know we'll we'll see what uh what comes this weekend i think Michael's right in terms of how he framed this though NYCFC are a wounded animal they'll want revenge yeah. against TFC revenge against everyone and and to prove that you know this isn't some kind of hangover here that they are once again contenders. Well, without getting too far ahead of ourselves too, mm-hmm. we look at Toronto FC's schedule right now. And as I've mentioned a couple of times, TFC at this point, they're playing with house money. Mm-hmm. Um, between now and, and, and the summer, anything that happens for Toronto FC that's positive, they take it to the bank. Yep. So it's been a really positive start to the year. And they've beaten some really tough opponents. We think about, you know, away to RSL. They got the draw. Obviously, Columbus didn't go the way that they wanted, but they still put in a strong performance. Away to Dallas is not really an easy fixture this year. And then they beat DC, which, I mean, I think they should beat DC. But then they beat New York City. And they beat Philadelphia. So, you know, a bit of a tough schedule kind of out the gate. But then you look at their next couple matches after this one against New York City FC. You have back-to-back games against Cincinnati. Nice. And then you have Vancouver, which, 
I mean, I don't want to be too hard on Vancouver right now, but not looking like the best side in MLS. And then you have a tough one in Orlando City who's playing really well, actually. Then you go back to D.C. and then Chicago. So this next month, month and a bit, as to get them to sort of June there, they have a favorable schedule. And if they can get a couple of, of important results here, they're set up very, very nicely for the summer when they get a lot of key additions into this team. Love and as, as we said, like they're playing with house money, and right now they're winning. So mm-hmm. this is about as as good as I could have imagined this team yep. at this point in the yeah, season. Where that's be. That, mm-hmm. that's apt. That they couldn't express it more eloquently. If we try, yeah. I, again, like I said, it's it's so much better to be in that or in the position where we're waiting for the bottom to fall out than waiting for like them to raise above the line. I know, mm-hmm. um, I know obviously, you know, there, there might be some, some tougher games ahead, but like Mike said, like that's a, that's a fairly decent schedule for them. And um, I only expect them to, to get better. They've already shown signs of growth. And, and I think, uh, I think we uh, can definitely expect uh, that to continue just as we hope to, on this show um obviously you know we'll, we'll work on the intro the outro which i guess we don't have <laughs> one this week so jeff you can just no, no i'm gonna i'm gonna roll i'm gonna roll the other one again yeah yeah yeah, ah, yeah fair enough yeah it's a good yeah. <laughs> good show but yeah no we'll continue to improve things as we go here but you know we are so excited with again can't thank any hard enough the the branding looks amazing absolutely uh, we are we are so so, so thankful for for all the time she put in making this uh this you know how we wanted and um yeah we're we're really excited to to continue so to good to be back all guys this, this was guys yeah this was fantastic this this hour went by so damn quickly <laughs> always does always i'm does, looking yeah. forward to next week mates absolutely mm-hmm. anyway yeah don't forget to take for the tunnel club eh oh yeah, yeah absolutely too, yeah yeah we've been uh even while we were away, we've still had content going out with the the tunnel Shout club post game matches and the, or post match shows. They've been absolutely fantastic. No, uh, I like post game matches. It's like another soccer game, game on a, <laughs> on a podcast form. It's just Mike, Mike, and Mike and Sean, uh, you know, doing color commentary for their own two aside. <laughs> I I would listen to that. I think uh, I did, I have listened to that. So yeah. <laughs> there we go. All right, uh, that will do it for us this week. As we said, thank you so much for listening and interacting. We are only here because of your support. We love all of the comments and, and questions and reminders and everything else we get uh, throughout the throughout the show and afterwards. Um, and yeah, we're so, so excited to step into this new era with all of you. Another shout out because we can't do it enough. Annie Hart, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, Seriously. I'm Mitchell Tierney on behalf of Jeffrey Pinesker and Michael Singh. Until next Tuesday. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.